Okay, they believe that I'm. What they pretty much said is that I was some, I was a domestic terrorist, mega hacker, human trafficking, pedophile ringleader, bestial. It's <laughs> like, woo, you know, I'm a white supremacist, racist, and all this, and that I am like the threat to the United States. So I'm just like. Oh, okay. You just like you just listed every bad thing possible in the world and you just told somebody, oh, this guy's like this. Well, I'm Foxer and Nightfire. I was my first contact with the furry community occurred in uh, in 2000, uh, when I was between 12 to 13 years old. Uh, my father passed away about a year before that from cancer, and um, he, he wasn't very a tech-savvy individual and didn't really want me to have a computer. So after his death, I became more and more interested in computers. I had a big fascination with foxes for as far as long as I can remember. It's probably from cartoons like Robin Hood and stuff that kept my fascination of foxes alive for so long. And I was just started doing random searches on AOL um, for foxes. And um, eventually I started finding, um, you know, pictures of foxes. And then I started finding artwork and then, uh, the game Star Fox, which I never knew anything about. And then I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then that led me to a MSN group uh, when MSN groups were actually a thing back then. And I found the sexual side of the furry community. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Uh, this is something I can get into. And... Uh, got into role-playing with other people, then started getting into the Fricadia, which was this online MMORPG that um, that furries played a lot, and started playing around with that, and I started involving myself around that community every day. And 18 years later, now I'm still doing the same thing, just in a much more you know, public uh, display of it. Things I have learned since being uh, euphemistically kidnapped by the furries are they uh, they don't really have a good public perception. A lot of people link it to the, oh, people in big suits walking around. There's the sexual aspect in these TV shows and write-ups they had and all that stuff. And that's what really focused on it. it was like perverts in animal costumes was the public perception. Uh, I am a civil litigation attorney who got sick and tired of being nice and polite, is the long and short. Uh, we started the blog, uh, actually almost exactly a year ago, as a profane way to talk how lawyers talk when there aren't clients around. Uh, real, the Boozy Barrister is uh, an extension of me. I, I tell people all the time, the Boozy Barrister is the courtroom persona amped up to 10 about I want to say six months ago now somebody sent me a link to a tweet about a furry sovereign citizen drama I wrote a piece on it because I had absolutely nothing planned for the next day 
and the furries lost their damn minds. Hello, my name is Dio, and I am a furry on Twitter. <laughs> That's the basics. So if you're a furry on Twitter, does that make you a furry in real life as well? Sadly, I'm not actually covered in fur, and I'm not a like a six-and-a-half-foot-tall Tasmanian devil lady mm-hmm. in real life. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I go to conventions, and I'm a part of fur meets and different things. So I would say that, yeah, I'm a furry in real life, too. Uh, I came to the furry community about 12 years ago. It started in the slippery slope of trying to build my first uh, Halloween costume, which was a werewolf costume. Hmm. And nobody builds costumes as well as the furries when it comes to making an animal. So that was where I first started was I stumbled across this fursuit live journal community. Um, and people there were posting these tutorials and talking about where they were buying fur so I made one werewolf costume, and then it kind of evolved from there. I wore it for the first time, and I was super proud. And I couldn't wait to make another one. And so that's where it started. My piece really kind of went in and didn't treat them like, I I guess freaks is the best word. At least no freakier than 90% of the other people I run into in the course of a course of the day and they really appreciate it being talked about like people i mean they really appreciate that i had at the time i wrote that piece the website saw maybe about 100 readers a day uh most of them lawyers Uh, i know for a fact there were a couple federal judges who read it the furries kind of adopted me as their lawyer mascot the identity of Foxler as the Corsac Fox I am um, was was in my early roots of my childhood. You know, as I became a teenager, I, I, I started identifying as this character more and more. And I built pretty much a life identity out of it. And for some furries, yeah, it's just a, just a hobby or just an ex, you know casual thing with friends and other people that have same interests. For other furries, it's it can, it's a spiritual or emotional connection. Or you know, my boss knows about it. You know, my family knows about it. My friends know about it. Like it's just they already know this is the person. You know, when I have time to actually wear the side costume, this is me. Um, I am currently in a relationship with uh, a furry named Cody Wolf, and um, he's a he's a, a blue uh, a blue wolf. Nothing super special, but uh, uh, it's a it's a, a gay relationship that I have with him. Uh, I, and one interesting note on that, yeah, I, actually I was very straight when I when I joined the furry community. <laughs> And that evolved over time with the exposure to the furry side. So um, that is a very complex puzzle in itself. When I first joined the fandom, I really identified as being straight. I still, to some subconscious level, you know, um, you know, animalistic human behavior, prefer to be in a. Um, uh, uh, 
a male and female relationship. Uh, but with the identity of furry and creating personas, when you meet other furries, you try to you they present you their persona and you try to adapt to that image. So you you build that perception of them as being that animal, and eventually. The, the first thing you go to when you see someone is not their gender. You start you, you first go to their persona or their animal. And you're like, oh, what is that? What is their animal? And then you figure out what the species is. And then you look at what their colors are. And then you go to gender. And gender becomes on the backseat driver. And for me, because of that backseat driver mentality that I was building, I started not to really care about his gender as much. I was more interested in the person's persona, their their personality, their emotional behavior with me, and I didn't. I realized that it didn't matter what gender I was with, uh, as long as they're furry. And at this current moment, if it's a guy, I prefer them to also have a fur suit. You know, that's just for the sexual aspect of it. Uh, without that, I I am not comfortable at all. Being with another guy, just, just, just an NA for me. Any group of people interested in something is going to have some sexual aspect to it, but is it a predominant aspect? No. L- let me put it this way: If you go to a Star Trek convention in one of those hotel rooms, Captain Picard's getting bent over by Lieutenant Worf. It hasn't helped the furry community at all on things like the CSI episode with furries or the uh, American Dad episode with the furries. Uh, you know, I think shows like that do give a uh, image that all furries are interested in is humping one another. The public does seem to know more about the sexual thing. You know, I'm pretty open about my my interests, including the sexual side of the, the furry community. And I've gotten questions many times when I like was in Hawaii doing work out there, and I was I had my first suit. You know, I had people come up to me and ask me, "Hey, do you like have sex and stuff in there?" And yeah, and so you know, they 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 immediately have that perception that furries are a very sexual fetish orientation so i would say that it is pretty accurate it's not necessarily the whole point of the community but it's a fair a fair part of it what what did you what did you say when people asked you that question (sighs) well i like not putting a filter on so i do say personally yeah i do have sexual fetishes that involve in the furry community and yeah i do i do engage in sexual activity in my my said fursuit slash costume uh, you know, it probably starts back to October or November of 2016. I got a few phone calls from different friends um, in Colorado who'd been receiving these threatening phone calls. One of my friends kept getting phone calls at all hours of the night, like telling her to kill herself, that people were going to come to her house and murder her. All sorts of horrific shit. She was scared, terribly scared. So I told her, you know, call the police, you know, call these people, talk to so-and-so. And, you know, she was wondering about Rocky Mountain Furcon. Would she be safe there if she went? Because she was pretty sure it was this group of furries called the Furry Raiders making these phone calls. 
And at this point, I hadn't heard about these guys. And so I lo started looking into it, and they had bought up a bunch of uh, rooms at, Furry, at Rocky Mountain Fur Con, like Con previously. And they booked like 25% of the rooms and caused a big problem for the con because they couldn't actually give out rooms to people who wanted to attend when one-fourth of the rooms were being held hostage. So I was looking in on this, and I'm kind of hot-headed. It comes with being, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm in the trades. So I, you know, we say a lot of shit. And, uh, I've never been a quiet woman, and so you know, I started talking online and making jokes, and I kept finding all this stuff. I did all this research on this group, you know, and there's screen caps out there online about, you know, Foxler says he hates black people, Foxler says hail Hitler, you know, gas the Jews, kill the kikes, all sorts of crap. And then there's other stuff like, you know, you know, had sex with a dog and then ripped the dog's vagina and it got infected and then they had to, you had to spay the dog because of the infection, you know, that that had to, you know, remove everything and you know, this was all his live journal, so it's directly from the fox himself. And all of this was horrifying, you know? His live journal journal posts about, you know, cyber sex with 13-year-old girls, and then I ran into a, a post somebody else had found about, um, on Facebook, that this stepfather had, been, had mentioned Foxler specifically. Uh, in a warning post to people in his local area because Foxler had given his 16-year-old daughter when Foxler was 25 at the time a puppy and money to run away with him. So the stepfather and the mother had to send the 16-year-old girl to go live with her grandmother. So I kept uncovering all this shit. And I was so livid. Absolutely pissed. And then on top of that, so they'd been messing with this Rocky Mountain Furcon. And I knew friends who were going to the con. And, you know, I'm just, at this point, just spouting shit on Twitter. Rocky Mountain Furcon was a convention that uh, was in Denver, Colorado. Uh, I've been going for several years. There is a subgroup called the Furry Raiders uh, that have been perceived, either correctly or incorrectly, uh, as being very far right, uh, almost Nazi-ish is the general accusation you hear. Uh, really, they're, they're antagonistic no matter what they are. Uh, and they are. They're, they're, I've followed them now a little bit. They're, they're antagonistic. I don't know if you know this or not, but 2016 and 2017 haven't been the calmest years politically in the United States. We, we've had a bit of an issue here. <laughs> what ended up happening was... Uh, Somebody had made a joke. I really just kind of a joke. I'm going to punch a Nazi. Uh, which, tasteless maybe, I, I don't know. I don't get into that. Please, for the love of God, don't ask me about punching Nazis. I, I've i gone through hell talking about that one this year. They're going to talk about the joke. I should talk about the joke. So I made a bad joke on Twitter. It says, can't wait to punch these Nazis. That's the entirety of the tweet can't wait to punch these Nazis. Um, and somebody replies back that they're going to bring a gun to Rocky Mountain Furcon and shoot me. 
and that it will be funny to watch me die. So I go, well, shit, that just happened. So I didn't expect much to happen. You know, it's dumb shit on Twitter. The person who had said, I'm going to punch a Nazi and got answered with, well, then you'll, we'll shoot you. Uh, received a cease and desist letter. And it, it was sovereign citizen craziness is what this letter was. It, it really, it was one of those, you know, no legal basis, but I read some stuff on the internet that sounds nice, so I'm going to use it because it, it supports my view that I am not beholden to the law, but you are. I love sovereign citizens because they are so easy to make fun of. Uh, so I wrote that deconstruction of their letter. I write that piece and I leave for a business trip for Ohio that weekend. And uh, James, I'm not joking when I say my phone did not stop dinging with notifications for for about three or four days. Like I was on a phone call with my wife and it's vibrating. She goes, what's that? I go, that's the furries. So this letter talks about how, you know, I was threatening, I was causing the con problems and, you know, they're going to take my house and they're going to take my cars. They're going to take my wages. They're going to leave me and my family homeless. It's, it's some crazy bullshit. And it comes like, it's got fake Latin in it. It's got fake legal terms in it. And then it's signed with a blood red thumbprint as if that makes it real. What happens was uh, Kahuki and Scorch were given permission by Soren to ban me from the convention. Who's Scorch? And that was it. Uh, Scorch is Kahuki's crazy sovereign citizen roommate and was also on the board of directors for the parent company of Rocky Mountain Furcon. So there's a lot of problems going on in Colorado in the furry community. Um, with the Raiders threatening people and other people being scared. Uh, so there's a lot going on, and they, I'm not sure whose idea it was, but like they thought maybe if they could get me to shut up, all the problems would go away. My name is, of course, Kendall Emery. My role, I guess, is the ex CEO of the Mid American Anthropomorphic and Arts Corporation which is the parent corporation that ran Rocky Mountain Fur Con. I, I have said many times, even before I saw Dio's tweet, that the furry community is falling apart. We cannot survive as a community if all we want to do is threaten violence. We, we don't let people be themselves. This is a community that they're entire existence is based upon being different than the norm uh you know and so to come into this and say well you can't be this way or you can't be this way or if you're this way then you know we shouldn't let you do this or if you're this way we shouldn't let you do that that's wrong that is not the way this community should work you know, I did some looking at Kendall Emery, who is also named Kahuki. Uh, and it turned out that he was convicted of sexual crimes with a minor. I'm like, well, that's really messed up. Well, you know, I don't wear it as an arm band. I don't wear it as a name tag, you know, but I don't hide it. And, you know, uh, 
helped a lot of people. When we first started Rocky Mountain FurCon, you know, I stood up in the first meeting. I said, well, not the first meeting, but the meeting where I took over as the head of this thing and basically said, you know, I'm a sex offender. If you have a problem with that, sorry. Uh, Dog Patch Press wrote an article on it at the time. And 12 hours after I posted the letter and that went public, the con closed. They put out a statement that the convention was canceled and would not return. The furry community has created its own perception of my, my own name. Uh, originally, it came in 2007 when I was trying to join Second Life, uh, the, uh, the game. Uh, and it's just you know virtual world where you can play as an, uh, a Second Life. My screen name is Star Fox, Ace Fox. So it's Fox quite a few times there. My business name is Fox Runner PC. I live on Foxtail Street. My first name is a Foxler, and I'm a Corsac Fox. The Fox is inherently always there in some form. And when I was sitting there thinking about it, I'm like, huh, what should I put? And I looked at my driver's license, and you know, can't do anything with my first name. Well, what can I do with my last name? And I just like took out the first three of Miller and made Foxler. Um, but people take that notion as that I took those three letters of Fox and and of Hitler to create said persona name, which is not true. But um, in a sense, uh, connecting dots is not always linear. Uh, they really hate me. Uh, no other way to put it. Uh, they won't talk to me. They won't have discussion with me. Uh, and they will try. They will promote violent physical behavior against me and that as of right now that's that's pretty crazy like i don't i don't find it acceptable to do any harm to anyone the armband what was it do, well do you agree that it kind of looks like a nazi armband uh Color-wise and design, um, I just primarily wear red because I like red quite a bit. Um, but as of taking, you know, reference that it looks similar, sure, yeah, I can agree it looks similar. But then, you know, I, I could also put up the same argument that, you know, there's been bands like My Chemical Romance, you know, Michael Jackson, Pink Floyd, they also wear armbands too. They did in all different ways. And people, it's just a another article of clothing that um, that people have worn, not just strictly to the National Socialist Party. Four years later, I was told that it was created by a, um, a World War II uh, uh, furry group that was into, you know, hi um, historical, you know, aspect of World War II, and they used their role play as uh, uh, as multiple parties, both the ally and access, and the armband was just supposed to represent the, the access. And I, I, I now I was like, oh, okay. So I, my first question was, what the fuck are Nazis again? And so I had to go on my little splurt to research and understand it. And I thought, okay, people say they're bad. You know, Nazis are bad. Don't know why. I mean, I understand why 
actual 1945 Nazis are bad, but I, okay, what makes neo-Nazis bad? And then I went to that and I tried joining a uh, a Nazi group to, to get more insight about what they were about, but I was completely rejected on the first day because I was very open about who I was. So yeah, I didn't pass because one, I'm not white, uh, two, I'm a furry, and three, apparently I'm a homosexual because I was a furry. So they uh, disqualified me to the curve. Uh, I mean, I've watched his videos that he puts out on his YouTube channel. Um, some of them I cut up to prove to other people the things he says are true. Um, like the one where he talks about uh, paying dues to a neo-Nazi group and joining this neo-Nazi group. Um, I took that out of one of his own videos where he's in his fursuit talking about joining a neo-Nazi group and giving money to neo-Nazis. They've labeled me as a murderist, a pedophile, and a beast, uh, a, a, a dog fucker, pretty much. They labeled me those three things. But I've never done any of those things, and there's no evidence to support it, so that's why there's no legal issue I've ever had. But because I'm not gone and disappeared and locked up, they will continue to bash at it in any way they can all the time. Like, I have not seen a day where I, if I go to a convention, that's like this, the first report the convention gets. is like, oh, there's a pedophile dog raper in the fucking convention. I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, he's a Nazi while you're at it. Let's just add that on. it. And I'm just like, really? Part two of this story, if you are listening to it as I release it in one week, if you are listening to it more than one week after I release it, now... Thank you for listening to this episode of The Rule Book. Uh, this episode featured interviews with Foxler, Nightfire, Dio, Taz Devil, and Boozy Barrister, aka Boozy Badger, as well as Kendall Emery, who goes by Kahuki. Uh, I would love to hear from you about this episode um, if you loved it. The Rulebook.xyz or Rulebook Podcast on some of the socials um, where I can keep up. Studio.